dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. We all have to work, but not all of us know why in the world we should. A lot of young people today prefer to stay in the basements of their parents' homes rather than get a job. A lot of parents prefer to wait until the child is out of college before giving them their first job. What does the church have to say to this? What about God's wisdom? Let's take a look and go deeper. Hi, everybody. Let's start with a prayer today. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ, our Lord, Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, you know, it's so good to be back with you. And these talks on the spirituality of work, I find very refreshing. And the reason I find them refreshing is because for most of us, work is not necessarily a place of refreshment or even of joy. Most people in America today look at their jobs as something that they have to do in order to start to live. Almost like their life begins when work ends. And work is a drudgery and a toil and something that just takes our energy away instead of invigorating us. And this is especially true in office settings. I mean, the communications and the miscommunications and the the failures and this and the blame and that, oh my goodness, it's just crazy, isn't it? You know, the people, I, I remember very clearly, I used to be a, a roofer and I would be up putting down, you know, roofing materials that were 500 degrees hot and the sunshine would sometimes be over 100 degrees on top of the roof. And I would stand there as a young man with my helmet on and my sunglasses and I'd look out over the edge of the roof and I'd see these fellows walking in, you know, dressed in suits, and they're little attache cases and they're going into some meeting in an air-conditioned building. And I remember thinking, man, they've got it made, you know? And I'm up here doing, laying this tar down and that would be so much better to have a white-collar job, you know? And it's really amazing because, you know, now that I have a, a white-collar job instead, you know, that of a priest, it's a, literally a white-collar job. But as I, as I do this job instead, now I look and I think to myself, oh my goodness, wouldn't it be nice just to have manual labor in my life? You know, show up to work and you're wearing whatever you want to wear and you get it dirty and you get to, to, to move your body and you get to actually lay the things down. And at the end of the day, you can turn around and say, I did that. Whereas instead, if you work on a project, all that you did, it's so hard, it's so intangible in so many ways, right? 
And then the, so the manual laborers, they look around, they say, man, those white collar guys, that'd be so great. You know, I wish I would have done this, that in order to be able to achieve that and be inside and it's nice and comfortable and cool and oh, it'd be just great. And the guys who are inside are looking out the office windows at the guys up on the roof and they're saying, man, do I ever wish I could be up there, you know, <laughs> where life is easy. All you have to do is just drill in the, the drills and lay down the, the, the insulation and, you know, put the tar on top. I mean, and it's so funny that the grass is always greener on the other, other side. And why? It's because for both of those in those scenarios, the work itself can, it can be at times degrading. I think, I think back to a, a summer job that, and that wasn't a summer job, actually. It was just a normal job, but it only lasted a summer, thanks be to goodness. And that was that of a chicken egg gatherer. I don't know if you ever, anybody here has ever had that experience. Right. Gathering chicken eggs. This has got to be, I remember when I was doing it, I thought to myself, if they made prisoners gather chicken eggs, no one would be in prison. Like this is the way <laughs> to reform our world is have you gather eggs. I mean, it was these long pens of chickens and just it seemed like thousands of chickens, you know. And you have this cart and you're pushing the cart along as you're picking up the eggs fresh off the chicken, you know, that are rolled down into these like little gutters that they form. And you put the eggs from the gutter into the crate and then through the processing of the washing and all of that. But my gosh, what a miserable job that was. The stench was so bad. And I, you know, I remember just asking advice, you know, how in the world do I get through these days? where I would just spend the entire time in these chicken coops. And the advice was, take your mind off it. Just go numb. That was the advice. Go numb. Find a way to just go numb and just and think about the money that you're making, you know. Well, at the time, I was making $3.65 an hour. So <laughs> it wasn't hard to imagine what the, how great all the money I was raking in there, you know. But I did it. And, and doing that work, I'll never forget the experience that that was. It's amazing how work can form character. And it's also just amazing at how, for all of its power to form character, how many of us wish that we weren't being formed by it, right? Just raise your hands, right? See, it's you, right? It's, it's like, I really wish that I didn't have this job. My job would be only easier if it was easier. <laughs> what exactly am I supposed to do with all the hardship and the toil, you know? You guys think it's easy being a priest? Let me tell you, you know, it's just a barrel of laughs, you know. It's not easy being a priest. It's easy loving people. It's not easy governing and administrating a parish and then dealing with everything you got. And then what job exactly would you find to be easy? Well, I, I do know one kind of fun example. I was river rafting and in, in um, Colorado on the Arkansas River, and my river raft guide used to be a financial trader. And he left it all, whole world of finance behind just to become a raft guide. And he said, this is the life. And I tell, look at all these people and they all wish they were me. And I was looking at him and I kind of wished I was him, to be honest with you. I mean, it was, it was quite a job, you know, rafting, guiding rafts down the river, you know. And you're, it's like you get to go rafting every day for free. You get paid for it. No. But we all see that no matter which end we're on, the real question is, how am I as a Christian supposed to approach the work that I'm doing, right? So if work is never going to be easy, maybe it's not supposed to be. 
It's just a thought for you. If, if, instead of waiting for your job to, to change so that then you can enjoy it, I wonder if there's not some way for us to take the other way around and change our mind to start to enjoy the job. Because I know that a lot of jobs, they're just not going to change. And you can't necessarily always change out of them. So how can I approach the job that I've got and make it the workplace of God that I want it to be? How do I approach it with the right attitude? You know, if I could do that, well, then maybe I could start to gain something from my job instead of feeling like I lose it. It's a terrible thing to think every day I wake up in the morning and I'm going to end my day less human by one day. I just spent one part of my life that I'll never get back again and it was completely futile and it was lost in difficulty, strange, strain, and toil. <laughs> you know, Guys, this is not the way it's supposed to be. All right, so what's the difference? If I, I, I mean, beyond, you know, changing my working conditions and all that, what can I do mentally? I think that Christ really has something to say here because he's the one who made you and he's the one who created all of us subject to the law of work. A human being has to work. This is the law that we all have to obey. So if God designed us as needing to work, maybe he had a point that he wanted work to achieve in our life. And if I could find that, then I could find the path to true happiness in my work. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. All right, so let's take a look together at Laborum Exercions by Pope John Paul II. It's called On the Dignity and Vocation of Work. It's, it's on working is what it really means in Latin. Laborum exercens, by working. And by working what? Well, by working all kinds of things. By working, the human person comes into a greater perfection. By working, the human person participates with Christ in saving the world. By working, the human person lifts up the created world into God. By working, there's all kinds of wonderful things that happen. It's just that we have to be reminded of them. Right? So he wrote this letter to remind the world about what work looks like and what it could look like in our lives. And that reminder is so poignant for us that I want to unpack, especially the, the bottom part of it, the last paragraphs, where the Pope dedicates himself to the spirituality of work, and hence this series. Right? So on paragraph 26, he tackles the question of Christ, the man of work. And this is a beautiful section. Let me read it for you. Go like this. The truth that by means of work, man participates in the activity of God himself, his creator, was given particular prominence by Jesus Christ. The Jesus at whom many of his first listeners in Nazareth were, Nazareth were astonished, saying, where did this man get all this? What is the wisdom given to him? Is not this the carpenter? For Jesus not only proclaimed, but first and foremost fulfilled by his deeds, the gospel, the word of eternal wisdom that had been entrusted to him. And this was also the gospel of work. Because he who proclaimed it 
was himself a man of work, a craftsman like Joseph of Nazareth. All right, that, that little, you know, phrase, uh, the gospel of work, is very John Paul II edition, right? And what he's trying to say is that there's an actual mystery to working that goes far beyond you. And it's a mystery that you miss out on when you don't participate in it. If we have such a negative view of work that we see it as the, the great sap of our life, the thing that saps away our strength, the, the waste of our energy, just as meaningless toil, which is the way, unfortunately, many of us have communicated about work to the younger generation. Well, with an attitude like that, you know, it, it's almost like we would think that it's something to be avoided like the plague, which is exactly what a lot of people try to do. And it's no wonder, right? Because like, it's like not fun. But here, John Paul II is challenging us to say, when God came to the earth, the one guy who never had to do anything as long as he lived was Jesus. I mean, he was God. And that one guy who chose, to, who could have done absolutely no work and had the angels do everything for him, chose to become known as a laborer. Is this not the carpenter, right? The, the word is, is tekton in Greek, tekton. Tekton, it means someone who puts on the framework on the house that supports the roof. So it wasn't that he was laying shingles, but he was laying the framework, the framing upon which you'd put the shingles, right? So they didn't have shingles back then. <laughs> they had another roofing technique. I don't really know what it was, but it would be the guy who works with the wood in order to, so a rough hewn laborer. That was Jesus Christ. He was a blue collar worker. It's amazing to think about that, right? That God, coming into this earth, did not want to stand by idle. God did not come as a beggar. He did not come as, you know, someone who was absolutely indigent in all ways. Neither did he come as a king who had millions of people working for him. Instead, he came as a human being reliant upon the work of his own hands. What a, what a lesson this is for us. To think that though he could, he had it all, he chose to work. Why? Because there was something he could not have except by work. And that was the fruits in his sacred humanity of the effects that come through working. He could have an experience in his humanity, not in his divinity, which was absolutely perfect, but in his humanity, he could grow in that awareness of the growth that takes place when a human being works. And now you might be surprised by that. I say, what kind of growth do I actually undertake? Well, you undertake a huge amount of growth. I'm going to talk about them here. It's in Pope John Paul II. He goes on to talk about this. He says, by working the human being, for when a man works, he not only alters things and society, but he develops himself as well. When a man works, he not only alters things in society, so that's just terrific, you know, things. It's the roofer who turns around behind him and says, look at that roof. That's a beautiful roof. I did that. Before there was no roof, today there is a roof, and it's because of me. It's a tremendous source of pride and satisfaction in a person's life. And, and you see, how many young people today don't know that pride and satisfaction? I think every family owes it to their children to have them experience manual labor. 
Manual labor is not slavery and it is not degrading. There is a perfection that uh, inside of a person, a growth that can only take place when they ply their trade by their own hands and the sweat of their brow. So I, I'm all for the, the dignity of white collar working as well. All for office work is definitely work. It's incredible amount of work. It's definitely difficult, et cetera, et cetera. I totally give it all of the credit that is due. But I also want us to acknowledge that it's not the same thing as working with your hands. And when we acknowledge this, we say, well, then there's an experience to be had there. And when we allow our kids to just start off life without sweating and without earning their calluses, we've deprived them of an experience. It's almost like somebody who doesn't know how to cook. How can you live and not know how to cook? I develop myself by my work by altering things. And yes, all forms of work alter things. But it is a special experience when you can feel, see, and touch what you've altered. The first, think about the first time that you built something with your own hands and how proud you were of that. Why? Because that change came from me. It's a very different experience from writing emails or designing something on a computer screen. It's not the same. Even though it's great, both are great and worthy of all kinds of praise. We owe it to our young people to ensure that they have an experience where they are like Jesus. Because when Jesus came down, he didn't take upon himself the work of thought and intellection only, although he certainly was and did that as he debated with the scribes in the temple. But he also plied a trade. He was a craftsman like Joseph of Nazareth. It's just his, his foster father. And that trade formed him. And that's not all. It also formed the world for the better. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So we're looking at what this work really means then. Jesus being a worker and what does that mean? Well, we find that, you know what? The Bible is actually full of imagery about labor and work. I'm just going to read off. This is right from Laborum Exertions by John Paul II, paragraph 26. And he lists them off for me. He says, the books of the Old Testament contain many references to human work. For example, the doctor, the pharmacist, the craftsman, the artist, the blacksmith, the potter, the farmer, the scholar, the sailor, the builder, the musician, the shepherd, the fisherman, and even work of women are included, right? The words of praise for the work of women. We can think about uh, Proverbs 31, right? Where it talks about her fingers plying the, the, the distaff and making the, the wool that then she would then weave into wonderful things. Jesus refers to work, the work of the shepherd, the farmer, the doctor, the sower, the householder, the servant, the steward, the fisherman, the merchant, the laborer. And Jesus also speaks of forms of women's work. He talks about, of course, thinking of all, the, all kinds of different images there. He compares the apostolate that is actually doing ministry in his name evangelizing to the manual work of harvesters and fishermen. And then he finally, he actually works, refers to the work of scholars as well. 
all of those. That's an amazing list. And those are all references in the Bible to this fundamental truth. Your work, guys, is not an accident. And it's not something that you can easily brush over as a part of who you are. Your work actually forms you. Your work works you. And when you realize that, you can change your mentality from one of trying to avoid it as if it was taking life from you into someone who tries to live it deeply and say, what am I to learn and gain by this experience? On an hourly per hour basis, I spend more time at work than I do with my kids. And we find that regrettable and sad, yes, to a degree. But on the other hand, it is the way it is. And if it is the way it is, it is the way it's always been, it might also be part of God's plan because there's something that I gain in my union with him and in my perfection as a person that I can't gain without it. And it'll make me a better dad and a better mom by the fact that I do that work or that I have done that work because there's definitely a time for staying home with the kids as well. But that even staying home requires all kinds of work. It was fun, you know, to, some people were sharing, some young moms I know were sharing with me different memes of laundry and what that means. And one of them says, when I feel lonely and I think to myself, I'm all by myself, I realize I'm wrong. Laundry, laundry will always be there for me. No matter where I am, there will always be laundry. <laughs> I thought that was really funny. It's an example, right? We're always working. We need to change our mentality about it. Why? Because John Paul II puts it this way. He said, by work, you alter things and society. So not only do you, do you lay a roof, but you also have made the world a better place. You put a roof on a school and you think about what that means for all those kids. And that's all because of what you did. But then he says he develops the human person as well. A, a human being will learn much cultivate his resources, go outside of himself and beyond himself. Rightly understood, writes the Pope, this kind of growth is of far greater value than any external riches which can be garnered. Isn't that amazing? Any, any amount of the wealth that you get paid for it is less important and less of a blessing in your life than doing the work itself because of the growth it has inside of you. He lists three different ways that you grow. The first is by learning. Absolutely true, right? I mean, raise your hands again, right? Like this is an obvious statement. That what's one of the things that makes life so great is that by your work, you can learn. Instead of just saying you got to go numb when you're in certain situations and certain types of work, you just kind of have to. How wonderful it would be if you actually got involved behind it. The more that you can invest your mind in what you are doing, the more satisfaction you're going to gain from it. Work is an opportunity to learn, to, to experience the physical presence of what you're doing. Think about whatever it might be, from baking a cake to gathering chicken eggs. It's an immersion into the other and to the wild world that's outside of your mind. And by that immersion, I gain a knowledge, an interplay with it. And this is an enrichment of myself. Now, as someone who's gathered chicken eggs, I can tell you, right? Like, you can only go so far. I don't want to make this overly romantic. <laughs> 
But that's not the only spot where it has value. Number one is you learn much. Second is that you cultivate your resources. Isn't that an amazing statement? It says, in other words, by working, I have the joy of understanding that I'm actually making the world a better place. I remember, you know, uh, working as a garbage uh, man in, in small town Ohio before I became a priest. And I was throwing garbage. And I remember how proud I was. We were doing it over my Christmas break during college. And I was throwing garbage and I was having to jump. It was minus seven degrees outside. And I was gathering garbage on a metal truck. And I remember how proud I was because I could look behind me and see the cleanliness of the street. And as I had taken everyone's garbage away and I thought, it's a good thing that I'm out here throwing garbage, even though it's so cold because I'm making the world better. You're cultivating your resources. Well, maybe get in touch a little bit with the reason why behind it. If you just have a desk job, data entry job, a grocery clerk job, you can turn that job into something. If you get changed your mind, and I'm calling you to do that because you're a Christian and you cannot be denig denigrating this world that God himself has sanctified, the world of work, by a negative attitude when he himself embraced the labor and filled it with meaning. Jesus is present with you in your work. Jesus Christ is with you in your toil. It's a, he's filled it with his presence because he's done it himself. And he's smiling at you and saying, you're making this world a better place with me. And then finally, he goes outside of himself and beyond himself. And that's absolutely true. I think this is one of the neatest lessons you can give a child is to have him work. Because when we deprive our children of working, we deprive them of something fundamental about themselves. This ability to surpass their laziness. I mean, no, it's not their laziness. Surpass their, uh, their desire for comfort. <laughs> They're innate and we teach them that the great things of life are out in front of them. How do we expect them to dare great things for their family if they can't even get off the couch? The world of work is the first place where a human being is educated and formed and challenged to become excellent. And we owe it to them to give them that dignity and to let them strive for it. He goes outside of himself and beyond himself, firstly in the workplace and in the same dedication he has to his work in the midst of difficulty and pain, he will later show to his family when in the midst of difficulty and pain, he has to labor for them and work to raise the kids God gives him. He needs that training. And all of us need this training because by it, we have a chance to sacrifice with Christ, to do penance, be part of his work in redeeming the world and it's indeed one of the greatest blessings dare great things for christ share your feedback with father nathan send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org that's info at stjohninstitute.org and don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form unite and inspire you at eagle eye pro on our website eagleeyeministries.org that's eagleeyeministries.org.